Thanks so much for listening. Before I get into the episode, I wanted to thank today's podcast sponsor, which is Coda Luna and their baby keepsake castle. I personally just put all of my baby's memorabilia into these little keepsake castle boxes and they are so adorable functional. And if you really love organization, then you're really going to love this keepsake box. So not only is it a keepsake box, but it also includes a baby book and it has space for capturing all of the milestones of your baby's early years. And then the keepsake box itself stores all of the memorabilia that you want to keep. So baby's first socks and pacifier and the little hat that they wore when they came home from the hospital. So this keepsake castle with the baby memory book is more than just an organizational product. It's a gateway to preserving the remarkable journey of new parenthood. So take a moment to visit keepsakecastle.com today and embark on creating a lasting legacy of love and nostalgia. Hello, thank you for listening to this episode of the Finding Your Village podcast. I'm your host, Amanda, and in today's episode, you will hear the great conversation that I got to have with Dr. Micah Johnson. Dr. Johnson is a sociologist and serves as an assistant professor in the Department of Mental Health Law and Policy at the University of South Florida. Dr. Johnson's research centers around childhood trauma, behavioral health, and juvenile justice. He trains, speaks, and teaches internationally on topics related to trauma, poverty, anti-racism, and sustainable peace. Dr. Johnson recently published a children's book entitled Never Had a Friend. In this episode, we discuss the topic of explaining tough topics to your kids. This is such an important conversation, and I find it very fitting to release it today on Valentine's Day because our discussion and Dr. Johnson's work is all about promoting love and making this world a more compassionate and caring place. Enjoy the show. Well, hey, Micah, how are you doing? I am excellent. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, me too. This is a really cool day to have this conversation. Uh, we're recording on MLK Day. Yeah. So that's really significant. It is significant. Yes. Yeah. And there's like no that. other place I'd rather be. Oh, well, thank you. Me too. I feel the exact same way. Yeah. <laughs> I've been looking yeah. forward to this all morning. Well, today we are talking about explaining tough topics to your little ones. And as we get into the conversation, I would love it if you would just introduce yourself and give us a little bit of info on your background. Yes. So I am a professor uh, of mental health law and policy. Before that, I was a licensed professional educator in uh, K through 12 schools, particularly I was right there in seventh grade. I taught civics and history. I am a researcher who studies trauma, particularly in adolescence, uh, but I'm really big on the idea of character education. I'm really big on the idea of just building peace through investments in young people. So that's what, that's like the key theme of my work. I really love that. And we also talked about how one of your passions is to use creativity and art to deal with adversity. And I really love that when you said that as well. 
Right. Yes. Right. That that's that's the story of my life. <laughs> that's the story of my life is sort of uh, using creativity to change my perspectives or to just cope with adversity. And will you give us a little bit of background about the beginnings of your life and how you came to write the book, the book, the children's book that you came to write? Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, so um, I was born in the first black city in the country. And the, the person who I hung out with all the time was my grandfather. And, and this will give you a, a, basically a, a symbolism or just like a microcosm of who I am in my world that I live in. So my grandfather was the first person in our entire family to be born like a free person. His parents were slaves. And I remember that we used to joke about a wish sandwich. And the idea of a wish sandwich is that you're so poor and so hungry but all you have is two pieces of bread and you wish that you had something to put between it. So it's like this imaginary sandwich that can be anything (laughs) because you have nothing. And so that intersection of struggle and that creative piece is something that propelled me through some really tough times. So part of my childhood, we vacillated in and out of homeless shelters and we uh, and these homeless shelters are usually located in some of the most disadvantaged, some of the most underserved neighborhoods in the country. But these were these were my neighborhoods. These, this, these were my neighbors. Yeah. And uh, in those neighborhoods, we also use creativity and the arts to sort of get through things and propel through things. As youngsters, we had to learn about the world. And our parents didn't really prepare us for it. We had to learn through just experiencing struggle firsthand. Uh, But we were gifted through teachers. They exposed us to the arts. So uh, they gave us the artistic expressions, use art to like tell your stories and use art to sort of cope. And so that's what we did. And um, in a lot of ways, this book was just a dedication to those children, those stories. But I always wanted to share with people because when you think about disadvantage, when you think about like hardships, you think about these American so-called ghettos, you think about these poor kids and they just like these, uh, they're violent, they're upset, they're angry, and these are dangerous places. And uh, people have empathy on the fact that these are harsh places that produce harsh people. But in the most disadvantaged, hard hit areas, you'll find the best people. And in these disaster areas in the ghettos, I found the, the deepest quality of friendship. Uh, these were, they really introduced me to the phenomenal capacity for compassion within humans, people who had nothing and no reason really to be kind. They were kind and they were patient and they were accepting and warm. And it, it's one of those things where I, I really wanted to share those stories and just introduce people that not only are they worth investing, not only are these people, these children really worth knowing about, but we can learn something from them. Absolutely. What's the name of your book? Yeah. So the book is called Never Had a Friend, uh, which is a double on, well, quadruple entendre really. But essentially what it is, is I've never had friends like these and I've never had friends or I haven't been able to replicate the quality of friendships that I had in the hardest time of my life, living in a homeless shelter, separated from my parents, well, separated from my family. I was living with my father. It's just us, the two of us. 
and separated from everything I knew in a new place. I was uh, had a southern accent. They called me a farmer. And it for them I had us to them I sound like a farmer. But you know, and with all of that and all of my fear and anxieties, I found the, the the greatest quality of friends. And so with this book, it never had a friend. I said, how can we? Because you look around and there's so much ugliness in the world. And I did see when I was a teacher that kids were very different in the way their parents raised them. And you could tell by 12 years old, some kids had a real strong moral foundation. They were young people of integrity by 12 years old. They, they, there were some things that they would not stand for. And some of them had a degree of kindness. And others discovered like difference. Like there are people who look different. There's people who speak different. There are people who have different things. There are some people who are poor. Some kids discover poverty in the cafeteria and they don't understand how to react. So they may bully a kid who's different because they just don't know what that is. They don't know the role they're playing in life, but some people do. And so I was thinking, how can we help to equip parents with the tools to have more difficult conversations? Because it is, it is so difficult to expose your children to the negative things in the world. You want to protect them until the until they're mature around the age of 85. But that's a little too late to have those discussions. And they'll be exposed to these things. So that was sort of my dual purpose. One, I wanted to tell the story about these phenomenal, amazing people that I encountered in the worst parts of, of, of the country in regard to economic disparities. But also I wanted to use their stories as a way to help parents have these difficult conversations. And so with kids being naturally curious, and sometimes stories, it's, it's, it's a better way to sort of touch on topics, through some, especially when it's someone else's story. And I, and I hope to do that. I hope that parents feel a, it make it a little bit easier uh, to have a conversation about what is poverty? Why don't all kids have a family? Why don't all kids uh, have the same amount of resources? And how do, what do I do if I don't feel good, if I feel hurt, if I feel if I don't feel good inside, is it okay to ask for help? Like these are the sorts of conversations that I, I hope to, uh, that parents would be, uh, would be empowered to have with their children. And also um, how to behave if you do encounter someone who's so different, whether it be racially, demographically, whatever. And if you encounter someone who needs a helping hand, how do you, how do you interact with people who are different? And uh, I, I'm hoping that uh, through having those conversations, parents can have that real deep bond with their with their children and with their younger family members. And I don't I don't know when it's the perfect time to have sort of these conversations about morality, but I do want to encourage people to have them early yep. and uh, developmentally appropriate, of course. But to have these conversations early and then just really think. Right, it's never too soon to start thinking about. What sort of moral foundation do I want to have well established within my children before age 12 or even or even eight? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, thank you for writing this book, because I think that introducing this topic in a children's book is a great way to introduce that. I mean, my kids, we read with them every single night. They absolutely love books and combining the pictures and the story kids are able to understand 
a lot of things and take in a lot of inferences. And like you said, there's no perfect age to start talking about these things with our kids. And our natural inclination is to protect our kids. But we also need to protect not just our biological or adopted kids. We need to protect our kids in our whole country, in our whole world. And so talking about these tough topics with our own children is a way to do that. So let's talk a little bit more about how, what other ways are that we can empower parents to talk with their kids about difficult topics. Right. So if you have a story time, I think that's perfect. Like that story time is so intimate. And it's it's a it's a moment where they're they're not distracted and they're just totally in tune. And I think that's the perfect place for it. But I do think that it could be integrated. I, I think children see things, but parents don't explain them. And so kids learn that okay, we just don't talk about those things. So I think the first step is to sort of challenge yourself to have this sort of communication with your kids where you you okay with talking about social issues or talking about things that they'll see in the world. For instance, it, whenever we leave the house, you you usually encounter, I mean, I do, uh, you may encounter a panhandler, you may encounter an animal that doesn't have a home, you may encounter an injured animal. And that's a way to say, hey, you know, how you know that animal the family's probably looking for that animal doesn't have you know uh it's not well like how can how, what, what do you think about that and just have that quick conversation on the way to pump gas or on the way whatever you're doing with your child in the car and and just try to have these conversations about empathy and compassion and and children will learn those things they will learn those things and so or even just like um uh, i've seen parents uh, walk through a convenience store and then hand someone a dollar without thinking about it. And and the kid looks like, okay, what's that all about? But it's, there's no conversation had. But it could be a conversation about, well, sometimes people have trouble and they need a little help. And it's okay to give them help. And it's certainly okay to ask sometimes. Uh, and that's fine. And, and that little bit right there is so much character. Of course, they're going to act like, you know, they're going to act like, okay, whatever. Mom's talking, right? Or dad's talking again. But you'd be surprised. They'll bring that moment up. 20 years later and say, I'll never forget when I learned about compassion. It's this moment when my dad or my mom had this one sec this one quick conversation with me about, about compassion for others. And they, and those are the things that really define us who we are. You know, it's not the delicious food that we are so concerned about. Sometimes it's not even like, okay, I gotta make sure it's an A plus school. Those aren't the things that truly define people. It's those intimate moments they have with the people they love, particularly their parents. And the, it's when they shape their moral compass. And I truly, those are things I personally value. And as, as a teacher, I remember those were the things that, that really made students stand out. And, and that's one of the things that really put a lot of pressure on me as a parent, because I know that not all parents have done the same amount of investment in the moral development of their children, because they walked in the classroom on very different levels, you know? So... <laughs> That puts a lot of pressure on me, but at least I I learned I learned what what how how flexible kids can be and how responsive yeah they can be to our investments in them yeah and I think what you said is also important that it's in these intimate moments and conversations with your kids and your family where this compassion and understanding come into play not this big sit down conversation of like okay next wednesday we're going to have a conversation with little johnny about you know poverty and race it's it's those little moments like you said and one other thing that i wanted to touch on is the idea of practicing before you even have kids. I mean, if you're pregnant, if you, if your spouse is pregnant, you know, 
start having that conversation with your spouse. Start having those conversations about where did you both develop your moral foundation? What were those compassionate moments that you had in your childhood? How do you want to parent? How do you want to co-parent with your spouse or your partner? And that in turn will, well, it will let you, will allow you to have, you know, a good moment with your spouse, but then it will also be good practice for whenever you have those conversations with your children and you'll get more comfortable just having those conversations out of the blue and it won't turn into this giant, scary topic. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think that is so important. And it's such a, it seems like such an innovative concept that you're describing. It's like, wait, we can intentionally think about not just like the, the school or the neighborhood, but we can actually think about, you know, the, the character develop, like, and we can think about how, what sort of moral compass do we want? Because we all know we have it, you know, we're the perfect parents, but, you know, how can we, you know, how can we truly intentionally, you know, create, you know, co-create, hopefully, um, if if you with with a partner, but even if you're if you're not, you can still co-create with with people you you trust. And how can we start thinking about a sort of I hate to call it a lesson plan? That's the teacher in me. But how can we create this sort of rollout? Like you know how we how do we make sure we're investing throughout their lives in their moral development? And it's 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 difficult because I do see a lot of parents who wish the world was better. But they don't have those. They don't. They don't talk about those things with them, and they're not planning those things. They just want their child to be in a better world, and they right. want that world just to be better. <laughs> but you know, but you know, the you know, we all have a role to play. We we all have a role to play. So hopefully, this empowers parents. Um, this book and this podcast, because I think it's a really amazing discussion to have. It's a really innovative it's a simple but it's an innovative concept to sort of let's think about the way we want our kids to be let's think about the character and the characteristics that we want them to have and express as they navigate their lives that's powerful yeah absolutely and since you have a background in not only education but also mental health um i wanted to ask your advice on on something else so you know, before you can kind of have a conversation about establishing a moral foundation with your children, it is going to, for most of us, take a little bit of soul searching and work on our own selves and our own moral foundation and looking at our biases. Do you have any recommendations for parents on kind of how to start with that work in themselves if they haven't started already? That's a great question. The, the first thing I would say is do not aim for perfection. Right. Do not aim for don't put the pressure on yourself to be really good at this uh, or be the best person. I think that I think the, if you know your toe up from the floor up, you may be the best qualified for this gig because you'll know the things that that you that you don't the mistakes you don't want them to commit, but also the deficits in your own learning and your own parenting experience as a child. Right. Receiving parenting. So. But that that's that's the next step too. Is just reflect on your own life and the and the lessons you learn far too late, and some of the things that you wish you would have discussed with your parents. Um, I, I think that's important. It is some pressure too that okay, I do I have to not commit the same mistakes as my parents. That is pressure. 
but also just know that you can make mistakes, but it's really important to reflect on your own life and, and things that you think you, you wanted, the investments you wish you would have had. And then you can make those investments in your children. And then also just look at the world. Some of the things that really sticks to us, you know, it's like some things it's just, it's like, man, you know, I wish, I wish that didn't happen. You know, yeah. you can talk to your child about, it. you know, it's like, I wish you were, you know, for me, I'm gonna give a really good example. So for me, I don't like the, the idea of someone believing that truth is more important than kindness. And this is coming from someone who's like, I'm a scientist. So we're all world is like getting at truth, right? There's, how do we get towards facts? You know, science, but I can tell you, we don't know what truth is. Some of the core concept of the human experience, they're theories. And we call them theories because we really don't know because it can change. And, but what, what will not change is how we go about discussing and, and trying to uh, conduct discourse about truth. So, it, it, and, and that goes back to one of these things that I repeat over and over again to young people is that I'm not sure of what truth is, but I do know what kindness is. And it's, it's the same. So that's a lesson I'm constantly talking to, to the, the children in my life about, constantly talking to them about, do I feel the love in, in, when you're communicating with me? Do I feel your compassion and warmth? I need to feel your, your, cause you're a nice person, but I don't feel nice right now. Cause you're passionate about what you're saying about Legos right now. You want to make sure you're communicating that passion in a way that also reflects that you're a nice person. And I, I think that that that's deep, right? But at a young age, the, people will grow and learn to have a little bit more respectful discourse, a little bit more respectful debate. And that's important. I think that's ripping the country, or at least this country apart, you know, many countries, it is. but it, it, that's core. It's like, okay, let's, let's try to get at truth, but we, we know what kindness feels like. We know what warmth feels like. We know what respect feels like. So let's keep that there. Let's make sure that's a priority and not just truth. I think that's so important that that is the priority, kindness, compassion, that is the priority, and then truth, and then getting it right. That goes back to what you first mentioned about it's not about perfection. And for me, a lesson that I have personally learned and have been working on is self-compassion. I have to start with self-compassion before I can do anything else, because if I get something wrong and I have no self-compassion, then I have no chance at all. If I can't forgive myself and say, you know, I'm here to get it right, not be right, like Brene Brown says, if I can't do that, I'm not going to make any inroads. So That's extremely important. Self-compassion. That's a really good one. And that also teaches us how to have compassion for others, turns out. <laughs> right, right. Right. Truly, truly, because it's 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 not just for one person. It's like a lifestyle. It's like no, I'm I'm very compassionate with myself as well. I have the same sort of patience with myself and the same sort of encouragement with myself. You know, it it's so so inspiring to hear you say that. It really is, because I think that's something that all of us can learn from. It's like a lot of this does start at home and with ourselves, and then within our our homes, within our relationships as well. Yeah. I think that's so true. And that's a great lesson to demonstrate for our kids as well. Right. Well, I have loved having this conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and just educating us and bringing up this really important topic of establishing a moral foundation 
jumping in and have starting to have those tough conversations with your spouse, with your children. Don't shy away from it. It's not aiming for perfection. I have learned a lot from you today. And so I just wanted to say thank you. Likewise. Thank you for having me. I really, I really enjoyed it. And I, I do hope that people find benefit in the story Never Had a Friend and these kids that seem very different. They seem, you know, these kids are in a very different world, but um, this one kid in particular, he, his life is tremendously improved because he found something that really is key to all of us. It's friendship, you know, and in, in science, we call it social support and the protective factors and the protective properties of social support. But for all of us, it's just kindness and friendship. Well, I am linking to your book in the show notes for this episode. So if anybody wants to buy that book, which you definitely should, just go to the show notes in this episode. If anyone is interested in getting in touch with you, how can someone best contact you? Well, I can be found on all platforms at Dr. Micah Johnson, no spaces, no abbreviations, all one word written out, D-O-C-T-O-R-M-I-C-A-H-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. I'm on all platforms. Uh, but if you want to email me about something specifically, uh, my email is drmichaeljohnson at gmail. And just, just email me directly and I will be responsive. And um, and do let me know. So if you do happen to pick up the book, I would love to uh, hear from you so I can know how, how you're implementing within your family. It will be really cool to read those. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And this was a great conversation. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. If you liked the episode and want to hear more, please subscribe to Finding Your Village wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, I would love it if you would take one minute and give me five stars and leave a review about the show to encourage other parents to start listening. Finally, I would love to hear from you. If you have feedback, questions, or ideas for episodes, please connect with me directly on Instagram. Follow me and DM me at Finding Your Village. You can also always send me an email at Amanda at findingyourvillagepod.com. Lastly, I just launched a monthly newsletter for Finding Your Village, and you can find that in the show notes of this episode, or if you go directly to findingyourvillage.substack.com. Thank you so much and stay safe, healthy, and connected. 